0: I think it's important for students to understand that there's not there's a lot of jobs that aren't nine to five office jobs now. There's a lot of hybrid jobs out there that I'm like, I don't even know what this job title is. I mean your yours is one example, you know. I mean it's your job didn't exist five years ago or so,
1: you know. Podcast Junkies episode two zero three. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're new to the show, this is the one where we interview some of the most interesting people in the podcasting sphere and folks who are doing interesting things in the podcasting space. Last week, we had a great conversation with John Livesey. He's the host of The Successful Pitch and one of my earliest clients and a really good friend. I've gotten some really good feedback on the episode. John's a magnificent storyteller, so make sure you check that one out. Episode 202. A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to be on the Learn With Others podcast hosted by Greg Stanley, and this week I get to return the favor. He's also the host of the Collector Car podcast, and we've got a couple of things we talked about in this episode. He talks about the inspiration to start the podcast, learn from others, and where he got the passion for helping students. It reminds me of my days in high school when I used to talk to the guidance counselor. So we go into a little bit about uh, why most people's career paths are not linear, And I think only two of the people that he interviewed on his podcast actually had a clear idea of what they wanted to be when they were young. Most people like me did not. And I'm sure that's the case with you as well. We talk about early feedback he received on the podcast and the resources and tools he used to start his show. Then we dive into his second show, The Collector Car Podcast, which I think really is his passion. And it really shines through in this conversation. And then to top it all off, he actually has a job working at Tops, um, which we talked a little bit about, and then we've wrapped up with some of the book concepts he's been working on. So as always, full show notes are available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 203. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite and specifically the Scarlet 2i2, which is my go-to sound card. I was so happy to see Dan Hewley and the Focusrite team at Podcast Movement recently, and I couldn't be more happier that they're an ongoing sponsor of Podcast Junkies. This sound card is so clean and it's my go-to recommendation for new clients. Even if you have a microphone that has a USB output and you're tempted to just go directly into your laptop, I can't recommend highly enough how much better your voice will sound once you're routing it through the clean preamps of the 2i2. And this 3G version is a thing of beauty. They've even added an air mode which enhances the quality of the sound. As always, you're able to monitor your sound directly from the Scarlett. And there's even a solo version if you don't need both channels. I typically use the 2i2, but I've had some clients set up the solo, and they're just as happy with it. It's just the one channel in, um, and it's a really compact unit. So nothing but good things to say about the Scarlett 2i2. It's my definite go-to recommendation. Today's episode is also brought to you by Beyond the Podcast. Sponsored by A Weber, it's the premier virtual summit for podcasters. It's going to be held on September 18th from 11 a.m. Eastern to 3 p.m. Eastern. When it comes to simple, email marketing solutions, AWeber is definitely one of the market leaders for entrepreneurs and small businesses. This awesome free one-day event is going to go way beyond episode downloads. Six of the top most successful podcasting experts in the world, including myself, will give you the proven and actionable tips and advice on how to grow your listening audience, secure strategic sponsorships, market your show in new creative ways, and make your podcast more profitable. All you need to do is go to beyondthepodcastsummit.com sign up for free, and you'll also be entered for a chance to win a brand new podcasting setup. Make sure you stay to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag, but for now, enjoy this conversation with Greg. So Greg Stanley, host of Learn From Others and the Collector Car Podcast, thank you so much for joining us on Podcast Junkies.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me today. Where's home for you right now, and how's the weather going? The weather's gorgeous up in Cincinnati, yeah. and nice. we've been known for cloudy winters, so I'm bracing for something to come soon. But it is gorgeous here right now. It's been gorgeous yeah. all summer.
1: You've been having a nice summer then?
0: Yeah, it's been fantastic. How about you? Good?
1: Yes, good. Currently uh, in Minneapolis, and so enjoying what will be that weather for a short term and then <laughs> <laughs>
0: you need <laughs> we'll to try. brace for more winter than yeah, I need to brace I'm for. <laughs> sure.
1: And I grew up in New York, so I'm familiar with, with that as well. So it shouldn't be too much of a, a stretch. Right. Right. Um, so for the benefit of our listeners, I always start off with our origin story. So if you can remember like how we first got connected and in, in chatting.
0: Sure. Yeah. We got connected via LinkedIn. So for my learn from others podcast, I find guests predominantly through LinkedIn. And so I've been trying to network with other podcasters and, you reached out saying, "Hey, why do you want to link on LinkedIn?" You know, and I kind of told you why, and you were, you know, nice enough to be a guest on my podcast a month or two ago. I appreciate that, and uh, it's just kind of grown from there. So it was really just from a networking perspective, looking for interesting career journeys to share with others. And I thought someone such as yourself, with uh, everything you're doing in the podcast movement, it it would be a great career journey to share, and it was.
1: Well, I thank you for. Um... Continuing that discussion on LinkedIn, and also for having me on your show, it's interesting because I uh, maybe you can st- we can start with learn from others about w- the the reason why you started that podcast, who the intended audience is, and what's been some of the feedback so far from from launching.
0: Sure, yeah, I started learn from others a lot of different reasons. One of them was is I'm a creative type who likes to always I always wonder what people do for a living and why, and there's so many jobs out there that I just don't. And I didn't even know they existed. I mean, one example was a friend of mine, his fiance, she sold buttons to major manu- or apparel companies. Like I had no idea that was a job. I just assumed all the apparel companies did their own buttons, you know? So I was like, well, you know, if I'm 20 years into my career and I don't know a lot of these jobs out there, I'm sure students don't as well. And so that was kind of the initial thought of it. And that was even before podcasting. The second thing that started was, My LinkedIn network was fairly robust. And so my day job is selling candy for bazooka bazooka candy brands. And I posted a picture from a trade show of my booth of candy. And after a few trade shows, I had like 25,000 views. And I thought, well, that was pretty worthless. That was just a picture of a table with some stuff on it. (laughs) You know, what if I actually utilize my network for, you know, positive stuff to get affect people in a positive and creative way? So I thought, all right, well, I got a LinkedIn network here. I like to do this kind of fun stuff. And then I listened to a podcast that really kind of struck a chord. So I'm a big car enthusiast, as you know. And I was listening to a podcast called Cars Yeah, hosted by Mark Green. And what I loved about his podcast is it had a structured format. It had a structured set number of questions. It took the focus off of the host, in my mind, and put the focus on the guest. And you, you know, the guest knew what the questions were going to be. And so I just thought it was really cool. It really was very inspiring to see what he was doing in the world of automobiles. And I thought, well, you know what? I could do that for kids in the world of careers. And so I started up Learn From Others. I tried to keep it very simple. I just asked four questions. What do you want to be when you grew up? What do you do today? How'd you get there? And what advice would you give someone who wants to do what you do? And it's been a fascinating journey for myself as well, because I've learned after, I think we're on number 86 or 87 career journeys Only two of them did it actually go straight and narrow. Just you know, they wanted to be X and they became X. That only happened twice out of eighty-six or so. And I've learned a lot of stuff from other people telling the stories of how they got to where they are today, what they would do differently, what obstacles did they overcome, and it's been a wonderful thing for me uh, learning from them as well. Speaking of my target audience, it's students, but honestly, it's really like ninth to first or second year of college. So ninth grade is when the educational institutions really start trying to focus in on, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, what interests you? And that's like junior achievements. You know, they start in ninth grade and it really goes beyond that. Cause when I look back, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was a senior in college. <laughs> so, you know, it does go through the first and second year of college, just trying to help, uh, share experiences that could help the students kind of crystallize their own career path.
1: So where does that passion for you for helping students out, like, where did that come from? Just kind of some peeling that onion back a little bit, like of all the shows you could start, you know, why, why is this a passion for you and why did you feel that there was a need for this? You know, I think I'm a closet teacher.
0: <laughs> I think, you know, that's a career path unexplored. I've had a, nu- a numerous folks tell me I, I would have been a great teacher. My dad was a teacher. He was an educational institution his entire career. I think it's just somewhat ingrained to kind of help kids out in some form, and it just seems like there's such an opportunity out there to share stuff that isn't being shared in, in a large format at this time, you know. And what better way to share than through a podcast that kids can listen to anywhere, anytime, any place? And uh, I just think that's something that I was kind of always meant to do in some form.
1: It's it's almost like a. Uh, th- the, the podcast you would want um, back in – I remember my high school days when, like, that's the purpose of the guidance counselor, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And so now this is the new digital version of the guidance counselor because it's, like, people, you know, kids that at that point in their lives, you know, are they don't really know, like, what they want. You know, they think yeah. they know what they want. And I, I thought I – I mean, I thought I was going to be an architect – and I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I like design, so I was. I think. I, I think. You know, if I, if I, if I sort of dig back where that came from, because I've always been a fan of design, and, and I used to collect fonts like it was crazy. But I never formally studied design, but I would. Just, I have an eye for it. So, like, even in in like UX UI design, like with online stuff and apps, like I've always visually. I know like what looks good together. So I think that's where the. The architecture stuff was born out of, and so I, I remember I took the arts and ideas class, which is a very basic like architecture class right. in, in freshman year. I was just fascinated by all that stuff. So, but again, like to your point of the of the show and all the different routes people have taken, tastes change, you know, your your whims change, and you you discover new new avenues. And I, do you see that as a common thread in the stories people tell?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've actually started doing some speaking based on this, and one of the things that came out was. First off, the plan rarely goes as planned. It's kind of what happens is people end up taking detours, going different directions because of their interest change. One example is myself. I went to college on a music scholarship. That lasted about a year. And then I was computer science. That lasted about a semester. And then I was architecture. I actually did architecture for a year and a half. And it is something that comes through is that things change. Also, you're shaped by your environment. I've had a couple guests. One of my guests, she grew up with three engineers, her mom, her dad, and her Brother, I think. So she naturally became an engineer and she realized when she was an engineer, I don't like this. (laughs) So she changed her entire career path after getting her college degree. And it's because she was never, you know, she wasn't really exposed to anything other than an engineering career path. And so it's something that people really need to explore and look around and experience, you know, a lot of different things out there that you just don't know exist unless you really look for it.
1: And what was the initial early feedback from? students who I imagine make up most of the listeners for the show or, or anyone else, like as word started to spread and as you were doing a better job of promoting, what, what was the initial feedback?
0: They're shocked that things weren't crystal clear. Like they think students, one of the big issues with students nowadays is they have this notion that you have to be 100% awesome, successful CEO by the time you're 24. That's because that's what society kind of portrays out there. You know, Everyone that they follow on social media yeah. and everything else. And so when they start listening to these career journeys and they're like, "Wow, you know, they do X today, well they started doing something totally different." I had a guest, Heather Johnson, she wanted to be a forensic scientist back in this is back in the mid-80s before that was a thing, before you had NCIS or any of those shows. And she ended up going in a totally different direction and she sells Oreo cookies to 7-Eleven. So it's like wow. that is totally different, you know. And um you know, so most of it is the kids are really surprised that so much stuff can change. You don't have to succeed immediately. You should really take time to explore, experience stuff to figure out what you do and don't like, uh, so that you can be successful. One, one of my guests recently said that their dad told them, well, you need to do a job in this field because you're going to do it anyways, because that's what you're passionate about. You know, you, You know, if you don't do it as a job, you're going to do it as a hobby. So figure out some way to make that hobby a job and you'll be happy and, you know, you'll never work a day in your life.
1: Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah,
0: I never heard it put that way before. (laughs) I thought that was great.
1: (laughs) So when you decided you wanted to create the podcast, like, where did you go to figure out, like, how to do it and um, (laughs) how to to get started tech? You know, there's so many questions in the beginning that we have that uh, everyone takes a different path.
0: It's been a nightmare. (laughs) It's been so tough. It's been so tough. And you know, I'm trying to think of where did I go. I think uh, when I I said that the Car podcast was an inspiration, I called Mark up and he was very instrumental and at least pointed me in the right directions initially. A lot of YouTube, trying to figure it out, a lot of help forums. Um, Another friend of mine, uh, he does a podcast uh, down in Florida and he helped me out a lot. Kind of gave me a list of stuff in which to pursue. Um, So that it was tough. It wasn't as Uh, you know, it's a big learning experience. And, you know, the first thing that everybody says, and I agree with, is you might not do it right when you start, but just start, you know, start doing something, you know? And so I wouldn't have lack of knowledge (laughs) stop you from starting your own podcast. You know, you just kind of figure it out, you know, and Mm -hmm. you keep on going. I didn't know how to create a webpage until I needed my own, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. Uh, you just kind of keep chipping away at it. Every day will get a little bit better. And that's what I've been doing for the last, actually just over a year now.
1: So can you talk a little bit about the format? Because uh, you, you touched on the fact that you have questions that you ask. Um, so it's helpful for people sometimes who are just getting started to have some sort of structure to follow. Um, because if you're not comfortable talking to people, if you're not comfortable interviewing, you know, you're doing it for the first time, you don't know what you don't know and you get really nervous. I know I did in the beginning with the first, you know, Half dozen, dozen interviews. I was just like, I want to make sure I get my five questions answered. <laughs> so, can you tell yeah. talk about how the format has helped um, you with the show, um, and also made for just a just a, a a more natural and engaging conversation? Yeah,
0: I think that's really key: is trying to get the natural and engaging. So, you don't want to be too formal, formulaic. You don't want to be too scripted. And so what I've done is I have my four big questions. So those are the ones I want to get to at some point. It's the, you know, what do you what do you want to be when you grew up? Because I think it's important to understand that what you wanted to be when you're little doesn't necessarily mean that's what you're going to do when you're big. Uh, what do you do today? That's the key question. And part of that is how did you get there? So walk us along your career path. So, you know, if someone was, you know, I also ask them typically what was their first job, which is always fun. You know, people like to walk down memory lane there. But kind of take us from your first job to your job today along your career path. And, and and within that, it's a lot of sub-questions I have prompted in case needed, such as, you know, what was one of your favorite subjects or hobbies while in school? Um, I try to have, uh, you know, five or six sub-questions to kind of just have in my back pocket, depending on how the the uh, conversation's going. Once we're talking about their career path, you know, is there an obstacle that you had trouble overcoming? You know, what are, what's your typical workday is like? I think it's important for students to understand that there's not, there's a lot of jobs that aren't nine to five office jobs. Now there's a lot of hybrid jobs out there that I'm like, I don't even know what this job title is. I mean, you're, yours is one example, you know I mean? It's yeah. it, your job didn't exist, you know, five years ago or so, yeah. you know? So, um, so anyways, use the big questions to kind of keep the format going, have a lot of little sub questions depending on the conversation. Um, I think it's really, it's, it's important to be yourself, so I'm kind of goofy and I like to make funny jokes every once in a while. So sometimes I, I do those and a lot of times people seem to like them, but sometimes I edit them out on the cutting room floor. <laughs> you know, I want to be sure the focus is on the guest and not me. So what I do mostly when I edit is I cut out myself. So I try to cut out mm. me as much as possible, Yeah. you know, 90% of it, I hope is the guest. And I, I try to help out as well by cleaning up, you know, some of the glitches that may have occurred and then as I progress on, I just try to keep it moving. I have had some times where, you know, one interview might be 18 minutes long. Another one might be 48 minutes long, you know, and so it's really depends on what their career journey is all about. I mean, they might only be in the career field for four years, so that's going to be not that long. Whereas someone else I had a retired NCIS agent one time and his was quite a bit longer, you know, and I didn't want to cut any of that out because it was such rich information about his career path and what he did and what advice he would have for others. So I don't keep myself to a scripted timeframe. Now I do want to, I make, I, I would like to keep it under around 30 or under if possible, but, um, I, I just try to make sure the content's there. And one thing, you know, at the end is I'm a huge car enthusiast. And so at the end, I like to have something fun, which I was really kind of wondering about when I did it at first, but I've gotten more positive feedback on that uh, for a couple of different reasons so I pick out I ask you what is your first car what was you, and what's your dream car and then I pick out a cool car for you based on your job which is always a lot of fun and uh, what I have found is that my guests really like it because they like talking about their first car even if it was a horrible experience it's still a fun fun experience and then picking out a cool car from them is fun and then folks remember the podcast because oh you're the career podcast with the car question at the end, you know? So, you know, it plays to my passion. Uh, one of your previous guests that I had as well, John Cochran, he uh he mentioned, you know, you ought to have a car specific podcast. And uh-huh. I and that was the initiation for the second podcast was John. And uh he had a great question. He said, uh if if people don't how would people describe you? You know, are you the whatever. Are you the photographer? You know, are you the crafter? Are you the what? I'm, I'm the car guy. Well, then you ought to have a car podcast, you know, so that was very wise.
1: So let's talk about the collector car podcast, um, how long that's been going and, and what what your initial thoughts are about um, how are you going to apply what you learned from learn from others um, to launch that?
0: Yeah, it was kind of organic. I kind of was like, well, if I'm going to do a car podcast, what should it be about? And I just recently rebranded it to the, the Collector Car Podcast. I was trying to be laser focused. Everybody knows it's a podcast about collector cars. And, you know, originally I was talking about my passion with cars. And a lot of that has to do with what are the market trends out there in the auctions for classic cars, collectible cars, exotic cars. And then I started layering in guests. So if I had a guest on Learn From Others that was in the automotive industry, I could add on a, you know, 10 questions at the end that I could then have as part of my podcast for the Collect a Car podcast. And since then, I've actually started to interview people who have collections of cars and what's their passion, why that brand of car, what, you know, what's the car that got away. And I have fun too. I actually added a, gun, a fun game I call Keep, Cash, or Crush. And so I pick out three really cool cars for them that are, they're passionate about, and they must keep one, they must cash one in and they must crush one. And I'm finding that that is, that's awesome. I don't edit that one because the moments of silence and the stuttering over words makes it priceless. Cause you can tell that they're really struggling to figure out what to do with these cool cars that they're so passionate about. So I added that and that's actually worked out well. Cause then I can spin that off as like a, a, a bonus podcast that's much shorter just the that aspect of the podcast i kind of break that off every once in a while into a little bonus podcast so it works out well
1: how many episodes you're up to with with that that one
0: i've posted uh 31 okay
1: so yeah and so do you do you get to see their collections do they send you photos like because i'm (laughs) I'm really interested now because it could be the person who's just got a couple of Porsches to the to the guy who's got the whole garage of like you know jerry seinfeld (laughs) right 40 50 cars
0: yeah, I haven't seen him yet, but I've been invited. And speaking of Jerry Seinfeld, the guest I recorded today, he actually sold a car to Jerry Seinfeld, which was really cool. It was a Porsche. It was really cool. And he had a little story about meeting Jerry, going to the bank with him and you know that kind of stuff. So uh, that will happen because I know I've had the invites. I just haven't
1: had a chance to make it out there yet. So. <laughs> and what's been the biggest collection from someone that's been on the show?
0: Well, the collector part just started. So I think I think the one I recorded today, he has 20 Porsches. Um, there's wow. a few. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Uh, there's a few other folks. Actually, That it's been about 10 to 20. Um, I know some local folks here in Cincinnati that have much larger collections that have given the verbal, but I haven't had a chance mm. to set it up yet. And, you know, that's really cool because if they don't want to, if they want to be anonymous, they can, you know, just, hey, you don't have to use your name. We could talk about your collection and generalities. And, uh, you know, have some fun with it that way where, you know, someone who might be private might be willing to share their passion because it's just from an anonymous perspective, but they can still share
1: what really drives their collector passion. So speaking of passions, uh, obviously notice that it looks like the Mustang logo behind you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what what's the story behind your passion for cars? Like how, how far back does it go? Like where does your memory take you?
0: It's funny you ask that. Logo you see behind me, my wife made for me for my 66 Mustang convertible that I sold last year, but it was a wonderful experience while I had it. Mine goes back to when my mom used to draw me cars when I was like five. Wow. Yeah. So I was amazed that she could draw these cars. And I think that's why I I like to draw. I like to do artwork and stuff. And so I had two passions came from my mom drawing cars for me when I was really like four or five years old. I think that was the first thing. And then the second thing was, is my dad's friend, when I was like 15, brought a 66 Mustang convertible to the house for the night. And I just fell in love with it. I, I have pictures of it and I offered to wash the car just so I could touch it. And ironically, I never touched it or washed it or got a ride in it. So I don't know what happened there. And, you know, shortly after that, I was, I took a test drive. I decided I'm going to drive a Mustang. I've never driven one. I'm going to drive one. I'm 16 years old. So I go to a local car lot. They have a 65 Mustang there. It's mm-hmm. like beige and it doesn't look great. And my buddy and I, we go test drive it. And as we're pulling back in, uh, we're turning across the highway, smoke comes out of the underneath the hood. And so we get out there we're like panicking, running and running inside. And the guy puts it out. And as he's putting it out, this red convertible passes by with four people in the car honking and laughing at us. And so we push the car in and it doesn't burn down, thankfully. Well, that night I go to a friend's birthday party. And that red convertible's there, and end up spending the whole night sitting in the back seat cruising Jacksonville, Florida, in this red convertible. So I think that's when it was cemented. Mm. Was that those two experiences on that one day? That's interesting.
1: So was your was your mom just a casual artist, or did she study art, or that was was that her background?
0: It was as stick figure as it could be. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it was a car stick figure.
1: Okay, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, and um. When you think about the impression that like cars had on you, did you think that this was something that you were going to pursue or like, cause there's something to be said when you have a passion and how impressionable kids are. Um, I remember like one of the reasons I, I DJ'd is cause I, I think probably around that age, I, I saw one of my friends DJing and it was like, oh, it's, this must be something around that age where you're yeah. very impressionable and just like oh this is this is cool and this is something that like really really pulls you in so uh, it seems like that's what happened with that combination of stuff and I'm wondering like once that was cemented in there like what you kept doing to sort of fan that 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 passion of yours
0: well, one thing I did not on purpose is I had a string of horrible cars <laughs> so if you're a car person, you don't want to have horrible cars, but it was yeah. out of necessity. You know, I will say the first car I ever bought with my own money was a 1968 Mustang Coupe, and it was a thousand dollars. And my cousin helped me find it, and it turns out I didn't have an engine. I didn't know that when I bought it, <laughs> so he he helped me put an engine in it for like 250 bucks, and it was a wonderful first car. And the reason I I sold it, you would think, well, there you've already realized your dream as your first car you actually buy. The reason I sold it is I was driving a lot for work. I was a cracker stacker for Nabisco. So I'd go visit grocery stores in Jacksonville, Florida. So I I remember one day I had 101 fever. It was 103 degrees outside. I was driving all day and I had an exhaust leak and I had no AC. (laughs) (laughs) And it just wasn't practical, you know? So I did it for about a year. I sold the car and then I had a string of just horrendously horrible cars that were point A to point B. Transportation. And that made you really think, oh, I need to get that Mustang back or that Corvette back. And I, you know, it took me 20 years, but I finally got my dream Mustang back and restored it and just loved it for five years. And then I realized, you know what? I want to experience other stuff, mm-hmm. other cars. And mm-hmm. so I sold that one to, to get another car. So it's just been a wonderful, wonderful, uh, journey with cars you know there was a 20, 20 year gap but it is what it
1: is <laughs> what do you think about the changes in the styles because i remember there was a point in the eight eighties late eighties maybe when the mustang became like this boxy thing <laughs> yeah that wasn't like it just sort of lost the the allure of like what you know the muscle cars right and then i think they figured it out like a way to to bring that back so do you have any opinions about certain eras of, of the mustang that you're not fans of
0: Yeah, there's definitely some. I Like the early 70s, like the 74 to 78, or actually like 86, I'm not a fan of. I did like the boxy later ones, like the 86 to 93, I think. Yeah. And those are actually going up in value right now. Yeah, so some of that is related to high school. I had two high school buddies. Their graduation present was a Mustang GT, each one of them, a black one and a white one. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're killing me. So yeah, there's a definitely a lot of different opinions I have depending on the Mustang. I could talk two hours about that, or <laughs> or any of the cars in general.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I grew up in the '80s, and for a while the Monte Carlo SS was like super like. <laughs> it was a bit, yeah. um, I think, just one of those. It's I live, I grew up in New York, so you see a lot of like what you call the Guidos, like, in yeah. <laughs> the Monte Carlo SS, and there was a strip in Yonkers where I grew up, where for you know as high school kids tend to do that it'd be the cruising strip and so that's where you'd, right. you'd see all the cars on display
0: didn't we have the same high school car like oh didn't yep. we but bo- the i had a chrysler laser chrysler i shared it laser. with my yep. sisters <laughs> i had an 86 chrysler laser you had one as well which is a small world thing that that wasn't officially my first car because i had to share it with my sisters it was a turbo though and uh i just noticed jay Leno's doing a part of about that car on his really? upcoming tv show yeah oh it wow seemed, i got a Gotta check it out.
1: I think I had my original eye on the Dodge Daytona.
0: Yeah, that's right. You had and, the Dodge Daytona.
1: And, and and no, I had not well I had my eye on the Dodge Daytona, but it was like the sister the Chrysler was the sister car because you know in, the, right. in that day and age, Chrysler and, and and Dodge were you know the same company. Right. So they were just making variations of the car. And I was like, Well, it's not the Dodge Daytona, but it's the Chrysler Laser, which is like basically the same car. <laughs>
0: I think the Dodge had better wheels though. Yeah, yeah. I think it looked a little
1: better. Yeah, that's so, funny. Can you talk a little bit about what you're doing now for your your current day job? Because it seems like you've got a mix of all these different uh, passions and, and stuff. So maybe you'll talk a little bit about the work you're doing now.
0: Sure. Yeah. So my day job is I'm a national sales manager for Bazooka Candy, which is a division of tops, the baseball cards. And so I have a wonderful job, wonderful company, great boss, great bosses, everybody's just awesome. It's a really great culture we have. And I call on basically the C-Store, the convenience division. So mm-hmm. I'll travel across the U.S., mostly in the Northeast, calling on some of the big divisions. So if you think of any of the major gas stations in your area, like a Speedway or a Wawa or Sheets, that's my job is to go in there and tell them, here's why what we sell is so awesome and why you need to carry more of it. <laughs> and thankfully, we do have really great products. So my products would be like the uh, Ring Pop, you know, like the, the candy wedding ring. Juicy drop, pop, push pops, bazooka, obviously. So it's been a a wonderful time. I've been there almost four years, three and a half years. And what's nice about it is I, since I do travel quite a bit, I can make some connections or meet people that I meet through the podcast, uh, while I travel, which is kind of cool. You know, I just grab coffee as I'm driving through or whatever. So that's been a lot of fun.
1: What have you noticed about uh, changing tastes in people? Like um, with those candies, you know, some of it there's probably a, a bit of nostalgic allure for some of the bazooka bazooka brands. I would imagine. But do you see anything else in terms of trends with some of the other stuff, or just overall?
0: Are you teeing me up for a product placement? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mentioned bazooka and retro because we just launched a retro bazooka. We call it bazooka throwback. So it's pretty cool. It's a little retro design. Back in, I think, the 1983 uh, packaging with the comics, 40 years of comic strips are back in the com- in the gum, which has been my number one request at trade shows. And what's really fun is the the original artist who did the comic strips. Well, he's not, uh, apparently doesn't work for us anymore, but there's someone at our company that had, had input on some of those. So wow. he actually made like three or four new comic strips uh, for this relaunch, which is pretty cool. But overall you know, that's a, that's a very niche kind of item that bubble gum that's retro has such a distinctive taste. Bubble gum as uh, not bubble gum, but gum on general, kids aren't eating as much. They've switched to like gummies and hard yeah. candies and stuff and non-chocolate candies, which works out great. Cause that's the product I sell now. So when you're looking at trends, they've gone away from the kind of from the mints and the gums more to the candy and the gummies and gummies are just nuts right now.
1: And I think, do, do you see or do you get any pushback from folks looking for like maybe less sweeter versions now that people are more like aware of like how much of that stuff they consume on on a regular basis?
0: You know, not really. It's so funny because you see that a lot in the news, but then, you know, every once in a while I hear from it from maybe a buyer, but then it sells, it sells like crazy. So, you know, the parents buying it for the kids and it's, it's a, it's not a everyday consumable. It's like a, a sweet treat. So it's more of an indulging, you know. We call it edible entertainment because they can kind of play around with the food while they eat it. Um, yeah, it's more of an indulgent item versus a staple. So I think they're uh, they don't worry about it as much on those types of products.
1: It seems like there's uh, just this, I've been noticing for a while just this trend of like nostalgia uh, and and things that just kind of remind you i mean you, you see it with like stranger things for example like the tv show like it just instant blasts to the, yeah. back, back to the 80s which they did a real good job of but then you see brands being you know Reborn. Um, we actually work with a, a client called uh, K Swiss, the sneaker company, and oh, yeah. they've been able to do a, re, a, a sort of a rebranding. So, d- is that something that you, you just happen to notice?
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. We have really smart people that work on our new product development stuff, and I know they've been looking at trends, and I think just the nostalgia trend in general, they picked up on that probably a couple years ago now. And it just takes a long time to get a product through development. And so I don't know that we'll be coming out with anything else, nostalgia or retro, but that is something huge. You mentioned Stranger Things. I've personally never seen an episode. I want to see an episode, but that has been huge. Just the 80s, 80s are just massive right now. And I think they'll continue to be that way for a while. The 80s, the cars from the 80s are going up in price like crazy, even the early 90s. So you're even seeing that it's mostly because as the, that generation gets older, you know, now they had the discretionary income to go out and buy what they wanted when they were little kids and couldn't afford it. You know, they want to buy that Lamborghini, you know, that was on their bedroom poster. You know, I had one of those back in the day. I still can't afford a Lamborghini, but, you know, if I could, I would.
1: <laughs> the one car poster I did have was the Porsche 959.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it, I don't think they ever made it mass production. So it just, for some reason, that, that just captivated me for like the longest time.
0: Well, shameless plug. If you go to my Instagram, the Collector Car Podcast, you will see a silver nine fifty nine. A couple mm. weeks ago, I saw up in Boston. Wow. yeah, those are gorgeous, cool cars. Very so. technologically advanced for the time.
1: Yeah what what year was that? That was eighty. It's like eighty six. Eighty six. Uh, yeah. So yeah when yeah. you when you think about the the show and and you know with the combination of both podcasts, you have you over a hundred. Um, how how have you grown or have you? how have you noticed you're different as a host from when you first started?
0: Much more relaxed, mm-hmm. I think is the first thing. Um, confident in the questions, you know, what works, what doesn't work, kind of fine-tuning your script as you go along. I'm still fine-tuning the Collector Car podcast because I realize it, my guest changes. It might not be a collector this week. It might be someone who's an expert on Japanese imports or something. So, I'm still, you know, that particular one, I might have two or three different questions or scripts that I want to reference. So I'm still kind of learning as I go through the collector car podcast, but it's mostly just getting comfort with your equipment, your process. You know, what do you do when you forgot to hit record, which only has happened once out of 86 times, which I like to think is good. Um, You know, I'm, I'm learning now, like just, Spotify, like it took me forever to kind of figure out the Spotify piece and something that's really cool. And I'm actually getting the most traction on, which is surprising to me, is I'm taking Spotify. You have the ability to upload it. We can upload it to your Instagram story. And I didn't realize that. And that's got quadruple the views that any other social media
1: I've done. The actual story when you share it.
0: For 24 hour window. Now it hasn't translated into download yet, but the visibility is there. Like it surprised me. It was quadruple. Any other success I had by doing hashtags and a a podcast picture post, that would be there forever. That 24 hour window, I was really surprised. And there wasn't, you know, there's obviously a link at the top for them to play it. So I'm trying, what I'm trying to do now is take a look at Instagram as my primary communication tool. Mm. And, which is really, I don't have that many followers on it because Instagram is just kind of a headache. But, um, you know, what would happen if I put the resource and time against that avenue and does it translate into increased download? So we'll see.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And, I, and for the benefit of the listener, um, they may not be aware of it. So, number one, if you're not on Spotify, I've talked about it many times and had it validated when I called my 75 year old father and he told me he was. Um, into grounding, which is basically when you get your bare feet on the grass and <laughs> just sort of balance. <laughs> so that, that was number, surprise number one. Then surprise number two, he's like, he heard about it on a podcast. And I'm like, wait, you're listening to podcasts. <laughs> like, right. You know, I, I've been, uh, he's, he's known that I've been trying to explain what I do for the past, like five years. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> haven't had any luck. And then I said, where do you listen? He said Spotify. And I was wow. like, oh, because he was already listening to music. And so it just made sense. And, you know, all the metrics that I look at, um, you know, because they had such a head start in, in people's um, share of ear, as you call, uh, you know, as I like to call it, right? Um, you know, it's it's easy to just take that audience now and say, by the way, you want something, you like listening, obviously, you want something else to listen to, uh, and that's why you see Spotify at about ten percent. You know, depending on which of the metrics you look to, but roughly, it's very quickly become the number two destination for people. You know, they they've leapfrogged. Beyond what, you know, people thought that was going to be Google podcasts, but they still haven't gotten their act together with, you know, right, and, and right. because Android is so fractured and it, they can't control the device experience like Apple does, um, right. you know, the minute Apple put Apple podcasts on the, as a default app loaded on the iPhone, I mean, that's really when you noticed that it, it took off. So are, are you seeing or have you made sure you're submitting to other platforms as well? Because now that in addition to Spotify, there's Pandora, Radio.com, uh, iHeart, TuneIn. Those are really, they're really doing the same thing, really just kind of using that leveraged audience to introduce into podcasts.
0: Yes, I have actually. I've got a whole list of painful links I have to keep track of for sure. And I just got, I think I just got in on the beta test at Pandora. Uh, I think it's still, anyways, I, I did go through a lips and they put a request out. If you want to be on Pandora, shoot him a note. So I did send him a note to see how that works. So yep. actually that was recent. That was like two weeks ago.
1: Yeah. I just ran into um, a friend of mine who works there, Lindsay Bowen, and he was talking about the process they go through. You know, it, it's still, you would think with someone like Pandora, they're like, oh, they must have hundreds of people working on podcasts. Right. But you it's he said no, it's really small like him and a couple of folks. Um so it was really eye opening but you know if, if you're if you are uh, you just have to be everywhere where podcasts are found nowadays. I think um people used to think like oh if, just send people apple podcasts but uh, there was a, there's a recent medium post that I linked to in in my LinkedIn recently that was written by Tom Webster and he says the people are calling things podcasts that don't have an rss feed you know they, they were interviewing someone and they said what's your favorite podcast and I've sh- she was done talking for like 10 15 minutes what she was referring to was a youtube series
0: but, oh, wow. but in her mind yeah. that's a
1: podcast right so right. but who are we to dictate you know we're not going to tell people that's i feel like that that horse has left the 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 stable and you know we you know we can't control what we think a podcast should be if it, you know, we can geek out and say, yes, you must have an RSS feed, but <laughs> to the listener, you know, that's why, um, he said, you know, people should start talking about their show and my right. show can, my show can be found on. So.
0: Yeah, but, I have, I think everybody struggled with that. I did experiment with some of the like pod link or some of the other ones that in theory you have one link for yeah. all your stuff. Yeah. And I just looked at that the other day and it was broken for some reason. So I was using, <laughs> A link that wasn't actually working like it was supposed to. So, you know, that's part of the learning is, you know, you got to con- constantly revisit your destinations and making sure everything's still active and why is this yeah. isn't, isn't working? Why is, you know, which one am I missing? Yeah. You know, go back and forth constantly on that type of stuff.
1: What's important with the redirect links is what I what I like to do is I have a WordPress site. So there's a plugin called Pretty Links and and Pretty Links mm. allows you to create those short URLs. So when I send people to u- a universal subscribe link, I send them to podcastjunkies.com forward slash subscribe. And then what that's doing is right now it's redirecting to Podlink, which I hope is still working. If not, I'll have to check that. <laughs> but I use, I like Podlink because out of all the ones that I've tested, it seems to have most of the apps there. Um, there's another one, podgo.app or something. I got to look into another one. So if I do decide to switch to a different Universal link I can change that on the back end and but I'll still keep giving people the podcast junkies dot com forward slash subscribe right. subscribe no, that's link. a good so, idea yeah, so it's important to use pretty links so that you know forward slash Facebook forward slash Twitter you know if anything change ever changes and it's just easier to give people that address as opposed to thinking right. about thinking about what all your URLs are anything else you've done from a promotion for the either one of the the, the podcasts um, once an episode goes live that you found has been working
0: A little bit on LinkedIn. People seem to like it on LinkedIn. I am getting, you know, I I haven't quantified it in a while. It's more of impressions versus downloads. So it's probably 1500 impressions and that's like a weekly number. So that's in my world, that's really decent. Yeah. And you never know when that's going to turn into a a download or, you know, subscribe now, that kind of thing. So um, the newsletter that I'll I'll do a newsletter every six weeks, Mm. I don't do it as frequently as I should, but Uh, I probably, you know, it's about a 10% engagement rate, which I think is probably pretty consistent. Actually, it might actually be a little high, honestly. Yeah. And then, you know, your click rate is probably three to 4% from that, you know? Yeah. That's mostly what I've been doing. I find that my guest network is pretty robust, which is fun. So I always do the recap email with all the links so they can share it with their friends and I have the asks, you know, Hey, please forward this to your friends, family, and coworkers, you know, and share with your network. And I put the request in there for future guests and I try to be specific. So if I need someone in advanced manufacturing, I try to put that out there. So, Mm. and that, that does work as well. You know, people that enjoyed being on the podcast, they're the biggest cheerleaders to get future guests. So, uh, that's been a great way to do it as well. I think in having guests and engaging your audience, I think is a great way to grow your podcast.
1: Yeah. I'm always a big proponent of making it. I always uh, say you should have a mantra called treat your guests like gold and you make it as easy for them to share because you never want a guest working harder to promote an episode than, than you, right? Because right. <laughs> they've already done you the favor by appearing and you did a really good job. Um, and I actually think I, Need to do some more promotion because I had some stuff scheduled and then there was travel. So I think (laughs) I do want to get out because you provided the artwork as well. And whenever I see guests that you know do that, I I I really appreciate it because you know being on the other side when you're trying to get promotion for your own episode, you know you you do the same thing. So I think the more hosts that have guests, I think they can appreciate it more. Um, the work the, the work that someone else does when you're a guest on their show. So I think sharing that as far and wide as possible is always a good thing and just you know leverage them, tagging them. Um, Right. That that helps as well.
0: Yeah, and that's where it's kind of cool. So looking at the career podcast, what's cool about that is I can also repost based on industry. So, you know, if I had, you know, 10 different Mm. medical careers, you know, I did last year or whatever, you know, I can repost that as, you know, whatever, here's, this is medical week, Mm. you know, and so... Uh, Um, I would think about that when you're trying to design your own podcast Mm. and it's, it's unlimited, you know, so for black history month, I could focus in on all the successful guests I've had that are African American, you know, and you could take that across any demographic you want. You know, you could do a, a special, you know, whatever for veterans day, all the, you know, guests I had that served in the past, you know, there's a lot of ways you could slice and dice it and share it with very specific customer bases or very specific listeners. And what's also really cool is I've been asked to go to some conventions as a podcast, kind of like a facilitator. So I'm going to mm. a health a health collaborative uh, convention in a couple weeks. Yeah. And all I'm doing there is I'm interviewing people for their career journeys. And I'm doing a condensed script, still the same four questions, but I'll probably lose the car part of it. But, you know, I'll have nine folks that I'm interviewing at the actual health collaborative convention that will then be shared through their network and obviously my own as well. And then I have a junior achievements next year where everybody who's a participant, a vendor or a company that is sharing their stuff with students. I'll interview folks so that the students can listen either before the convention or after the convention to learn about the folks they're either going to meet or they just met. So it's kind of cool. And if they're interested in becoming a welder, all right, well, now I can listen to his career path. And what advice would he give for someone who wants to do what he's doing? So there's a lot of ways to kind of plug into different avenues of finding new folks to listen to the podcast.
1: It's so important, that point of really thinking about like the future of your show and then thinking about all the different ways that, uh, you can repurpose the content because I mean, that would almost, your episodes would almost lend themselves perfectly to a book as well, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. Ironically, I have three plans, <laughs> just don't have time to write them. Uh, one, one kind of like the, uh, who moved my cheese, you know, very simple, more for like an eighth grader, uh, one a little bit more, uh, for the high school student, you know, what have I learned from all these career journeys? And then one for a business professional or just a a professional who has succeeded, how can I share with the next generation kind of idea? And it's interesting you say that because I'm actually speaking to two different groups at Xavier University in the next, actually next week and then in three months. And -hmm. it's about that exactly. It's about, you know, what have I learned from all these career journeys that I could share with the next generation? And then also, you know, what can students do now that would help them succeed based on you know, what I've learned from all these different career journeys. So a lot of different fun stuff that can come out of it.
1: Yeah, and that point you made about categorizing your episodes, I've done it as well because I've had, you know, female podcast hosts and and international podcast hosts and african-american and so i started making categories and then within wordpress for that post you can tag them so i think it's just been a challenge to figure out what's the best way where i can have cat it would be nice to have categories on the website to say if you want to just you know for to see all female podcasters or or latino podcasters or african-american podcasters but i did create social media say for a while i was running it through edgar which is our scheduling tool it says you know just th- these are all the female hosts on Podcast Junkies, and it would it would the link would be back to the site with the, you know, female podcasting tag, and so it would only show the episodes that fit that category. So it's it's similar to I think what you were talking about, but again, it's just as a podcast host, we should always be thinking about different ways to t- take that same content and show it to a new audience.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because I actually categorize all my podcasts on my website based on the career cluster that's defined by the Department of Education. So, you know, there's, yeah, you know, so when a student goes to my website, they can click on the career cluster that interests them. So it might be human services, might be financial, might be medical, you know, there's 16 of them and I I need, part of the goal is to fill them all out really well. So like I need some advanced manufacturing folks, I need to have some STEM folks, I need more folks in the transportation and logistics Mm -hmm. realm. I found that, you know, there's certain folks that you, you do have to be careful in that when you get approached for someone to be a guest on your podcast, you don't want too many of the same career journeys all at the same time. And so I'm trying to make sure I keep it diverse from a career perspective and making sure that I fill out those different 16 different career clusters, which is a great way to have a goal for your podcast. You know, it helps you focus your efforts by trying to pursue those different
1: folks. And uh, when we talked, you mentioned something about gaming so immediately I thought of Danny Pena, who's been uh, on the show a couple oh, yeah. of times. So yeah. I think you yeah, I think you guys connected. I don't know if that's uh, still a work in progress.
0: still a work in progress, but I did okay. have Eric Monticello, who is the director of video game production for Marvel on. He nice. was super cool. He had a really interesting career path, very smart and he basically, He failed at a lot of different things until he figured out what he wanted to do. And so he's just rocking it over at Marvel. I mean, he's had the most recent Spider-Man game that was like the most popular one ever. And then he synced me up with uh, James Cooper, who is a designer at Insomniac Games. And they, yeah, he actually, they're the company that actually made the video game for Marvel And they were just recently purchased, I think, by Sony. So I've got another video game designer coming on soon. I think he does the environment within a video game. So, you know, one of the I've I've been told that if you want to get students, you need to focus in on what they're interested in and becoming a video game developer is one of the career paths that they're very interested in. So having more video gamers is very high on my list to get them on there, whether they're a designer, you know, whatever. They could be a professional video game player, anything in that realm. I do want to get more of them on, learn from others
1: yeah it'd be exciting if you can you can get that synced up with danny he's got a great story he's been he's one of he's actually an og podcaster so he's yeah, been doing I know. It like 10, 10 11 12 years which ties into the gaming too so he's he's got a great and he he produced his own movie like solely on and he edited it solely on iMovie which is amazing oh yeah <laughs> yeah super, i started watching he this a doc, a documentary so
0: yeah i started watching this documentary after we had talked yeah so yeah, yeah so the video game stuff is really cool and really interesting
1: couple of questions as we wrap up. Uh, what's something you've changed your mind about recently?
0: Something, you know, I told myself I'd prep myself for these last <laughs> questions at the end. Changed my mind about recently. That's a great question.
1: And this is the part you referred to earlier when you leave it, you just leave the silence in. when you That's right. You just leave it in.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I think it would have to be the social media aspect of trying oh, to yeah. reach more listeners by doing the Instagram stories. hmm I think that that's been the biggest thing because I'm like, all right, if I'm going to put all my effort into one social media basket, let's see what this one does, you know, and it is yeah. showing fruit already. So it's only been about a week. Actually, it's not even it, been a week. So,
1: and that's the most important thing, like trying something out, but not like willy nilly, like just like the shotgun approach and just not, and not measuring it. That's right. That's Cause that's the worst thing you can do. Cause you're like, I'm putting it anywhere, everywhere, but I'm not tracking if it's make, if it's moving the needle. So I think that's the one thing you're doing that's important as well. Right. Yep. What's uh What's the most misunderstood thing about you?
0: You know, I think I'm not as smart as I look. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I think I'm a more relaxed and carefree guy than people think when they first meet me. I think they think I'm very regimented and, you know, which maybe, I'm sure there's part to that, but I'm much more of a relaxing, jovial kind of guy.
1: So uh I want to thank you for taking the time to come on Podcast Junkies and sharing your story with our audience as well cuz sort of like what you do with learn from others where you're, you're educating people or students on what's possible in the world of careers I think in the same way like having just this wide variety of, of podcast hosts on my on my show really show listeners that there there is no one path to podcasting either um right. and people and there is no there's nothing wrong with having multiple shows and and it, it, engaging in multiple passions so i appreciate you sharing your story
0: yeah you actually in prepping for this you reminded me so your goal is to help a million people find their voice correct yes i'm going to pay homage to you my goal is to help a million people share their career journey nice so i I thought man that (laughs) syncs up just
1: right (laughs) so we're helping each other uh fulfill our missions that's right. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So, where's the best place? I know you've got a couple of different shows. Um, so, in terms of people engaging with you and best place to point people to for support of the show?
0: Sure. So, on Instagram, it's just learn from others at learn from others and it's at the collector car podcast, whole three word, four words all together. And it's the same for the website. So, learn from others.org and then the collectivecarpodcast.com. So I'm building like, you know, I still have the YouTube, I still have Facebook, that kind of stuff out there. But most of the activities on Instagram, and obviously on the website, which I update both of those, I have a blog there, I update both of them probably three times a week.
1: So we'll make sure we have links to all those in the show notes so people can dig in and uh, start listening to the shows. I, I, I really enjoyed uh, the ones I've, I've participating in them and the ones I've listened to. And and obviously, if you have anyone who is an aficionado of cars or is anyone in your family who needs some guidance <laughs> on their <laughs> on their possible career, I recommend uh, learn from others as well. So thanks again, Greg, for your time.
0: Thank you so much, Harry.
1: So thanks to Greg for coming on the show. Much appreciated. As always, full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 203. Intro and outro music Composed by Cedar and Soil Don't forget to support This week's sponsors Focusrite And the awesome Scarlet 2i2 Third generation Which is a fantastic piece of gear I recommend to all new podcasters And Aweber Sponsor of the Virtual Podcaster Summit Which is coming up on September 18th Tune in next week For my conversation with Jay Klaus Host of Upside And if you made it this far The retention hashtag You're looking for Is AutoGreg One word And I couldn't find a Twitter handle. This may be a first. So you can just tag podcast underscore junkies. Hashtag auto Greg. Thanks for all you do to support the show. Talk to you next week.